0: My name's Tina Waldron, welcome to the podcast. Every week I look to interview someone that can help you share your faith naturally with the world around you. In 2023, I'm going to be interviewing people in Australia, also a few from overseas, and then there'll be a few weeks that I'll jump on myself and actually do a little bit of recording with some information that may help. If you're looking to do some coaching in evangelism or as a female in ministry or an online course this year in personal evangelism, please check out our website evangelisminaustralia.com. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Today I'm speaking with Tim O'Neill, who's in Tasmania in Australia, and we're talking about healthy church multiplication. Welcome to you, Tim.
1: Thanks, Tina. Thanks for having me.
0: Tim, it's great to have you along. You're leading Exponential Australia, which kind of begs the question, what is Exponential Australia? What do you actually do?
1: It's a great question, Tina. Exponential Australia is a bit like the Chamber of Commerce for church planting and church multiplication. Uh, we're here to try and uh, try and create the environment across all denominations and networks, which will see healthy church planting and multiplication taking place. We don't plant churches ourselves, but rather we cheer on the church planting ministries and we cheer on the denominations. We try and provide forward leadership. We try and provide uh, an avenue for collaboration, uh, resources, et cetera, to try and stimulate healthy church multiplication in Australia.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And and to be honest with you, Tim, I've been a part of a church where we've planted some really wonderful plants, church plants, and I've also uh, seen some not-so-successful church plants. Now, I love the fact that you're about healthy church multiplication. First of all, before I ask you what makes it healthy, what are those indicators, what are you talking about? Why even champion this area of church planting? Obviously, it's got to do with the Great Commission and seeing people come to Christ, but why church planting?
1: Again, great question, Tina. And and to put it simply, our country desperately needs it. In Australia, uh, an NCLS survey showed that in the 20 years to 2011, the number of Protestant churches decreased by about 10%, by about 1,000 churches. So, we're slipping backwards quickly. Another NCLS survey uh, from 2016 estimated that there are only 200 new churches a year being planted across our country. And that's before COVID. We've currently got uh, some more research uh, that's being done, which will help us come to understand what the church planting scenario is locally. But whichever way we look at it, we've, we've got to see church multiplication taking place. And the church plants that are planted, We've got to be brave and courageous and see them uh, having different models to what we've always done.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that, Tim, because as I look around Melbourne where I'm based, I'm not seeing tens of thousands of people turning up to our (laughs) churches that are existing. I'm not saying that no new people are turning up, but I'm not seeing that in droves. So are you suggesting that you are trying to champion some new models of church as part of what Exponential Australia are doing?
1: I think it would be fair to say that we want uh, people to have a go with a whole range of different models. And so it's not that we uh, would promote one particular model, but in many cases, the church around our nation has been more concerned about uh, getting attendance rather than making disciples. And if we make disciples, we know from Scripture a disciple will make other disciples. So somehow we have to get back to seeing uh, people not just being followers of Jesus, but being fishers of people as well who will go out into the harvest field and make disciples. Now, if we, if we adopt a paradigm like that, if we adopt thinking like that, that then changes the goal of actually planting a church uh, in terms of its Sunday, uh, Sunday meeting, what we want to accomplish here. So, yes, we need, we need new ways of doing church. And when we look around the world, we see that the general Western model is in decline. Uh, I think there's no argument about that. And yet at the same time, we see uh, church planting movements in developing countries which are just going absolutely amazingly with multiplication happening. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from some of these movements as well in, in contextualizing it back into our country
0: yeah a hundred percent, and it is it is true what you're saying. I'm reading the same statistics and reading articles that are out there, and it's really confronting because you I just feel like you just can't keep doing what you've always been doing. You have to you know consider the reality of what society and culture is now. Tell me about this word healthy when Exponential Australia is saying we're trying to encourage healthy church multiplication, healthy church plants. What does healthy look like then?
1: That's a great question. And I'll probably go back to the church in Acts chapter 2. And uh, we we see a a bunch of people who wanted to be there. They were were devoted to the things that were going on. uh, uh, God was active. God was in the house. I heard one person recently saying it's about time we taught people how to cast our demons rather than just hand out brochures. And uh, I, I think there's a truth in that in the sense that with volunteerism, it's got to be ministry which where we're actually using the gifts that we actually have uh, rather than just filling spaces. That doesn't mean that there isn't a, a place for volunteering and, and a whole range of areas. Of course there is. But I think we've got to be really intent on on raising up people to use the gifts that God has given them. And I, I love the passage in, in Acts chapter 2 where it talks about, uh, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, um, praising uh, God, enjoying the favour of all other people, many more being saved and added to their number every day. That, that That's a picture of a church that was radically and lovingly involved in the community in which I live. And you won't see people being, uh, providing favor unless that's the case. So there's, there's a whole bunch of keys we have actually got to deconstruct some of the models from the past. And by the way, that's not to say everything was bad. Of course not. There are many good things that have happened in, in the past, but our, our society, our culture has changed so quickly and is changing so quickly. Uh, I think we've got to get back to some biblical basics, uh, even more than the traditions that we've followed and actually see, you know, let, let's get be frank, the core is making disciples uh, who live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and minister like Jesus. And we have to see our churches being intent on doing that.
0: And I think everybody would say yes and amen to that, Tim. You know, I think that, you know, pastors, leaders, are, they're good people. You know, we actually want to be about exactly, exactly what you're saying, uh, which is wonderful. You just said radically... Being involved in the community in that very wonderful response that you just gave. Do you see that churches, if we're going to be that axe church, that's seeing numbers added daily to the church, does it require a radical involvement in the community?
1: I think it does in the sense that it requires us as followers of Jesus, anyone who's a follower of Jesus. Uh, should be looking to be his ambassador. You know, 1 Corinthians 5.17 says that we're new creations. Verse 20 says that uh, we're his ambassadors. We can't choose to be one without the other. And when you look at in John 13, 34, 35 as an example, it talks about what's a mark, the primary mark probably of a follower of Jesus. It's actually someone who's on that journey of learning to love others like him. And so we, we somehow need to be able to raise up people. Uh, who will be Christ's ambassadors wherever they are, in the workplace, in the schools, in in education institutions, wherever they are, and have the grace that that Christ actually has for them to walk in.
0: Mm, Amen. You're preaching me happy at this end. I'm loving what you're saying to me today. (laughs) Tim, let me just ask you a question about your own experience with, now you're working with hundreds if not thousands of church leaders and pastors now and having this conversation what stops people from considering church planting what are the what's the barriers that are out there that you've seen
1: again another great question and first of all i'd say that i tend to be working with those that don't have that obstacle in their mind so i tend to be working with those who actually see that yes it's something that that should actually be occurring but there are others who who do have an obstacle and, and sometimes uh, it's been because they've planted a the church, and the pain—they uh, haven't been prepared for the pain that they've actually faced when their friends have actually gone out on that church plant. Uh, That—that's a very, very real aspect that we need to—to uh, to be real about and to be able to talk about. Then again, we've also seen people who are very resistant to church planting because a church planted down the road from them, and it's been growing from a congregation of the existing church. Uh, So, again, that's not the type of church planting we're talking about that our country needs. But sometimes people's experience has been quite poor of churches being planted in their region. And I think one other issue that we we must face is the fact that in Australia, we just don't have the leadership pipelines or pathways that we need to raise up healthy church planters. And so it can be very, very hard to raise up church planters. Uh, And that's because we're not structured for it.
0: So in terms of that, structured to develop leaders for effective church planting, where are the models coming from or the education that's sitting behind it that we see? Where are those thoughts and where's those train of thoughts? Who are the main leaders that are talking about this?
1: We recently had Bishop Rick Thorpow from the United Kingdom and Dave Ferguson from the United States running some workshops and both of them had incredible um, in- incredible insights into this. If I can just mention a couple of Rick's thoughts. First of all, every disciple should be making a disciple. Um, I think we all know that, but he his uh, take on it was simply the person that you're discipling, ask them who they are discipling. And so bringing about that accountability because it starts at the disciple-making level. But then every leader should also have an apprentice. And Rick was saying that if you have a leadership a problem in your church because of a lack of leaders, uh, put, put this in place so that every small group leader, every ministry leader has an apprentice and within six months, according to Rick's claim, your leadership crisis will be solved. Uh, and then when we, we plant a church, again, this is another thing that Rick has been doing uh, across the United Kingdom, he'll plant pregnant. And what that means is that you have as an apprentice leader to the church planter already in the church when you actually plant. So there are three great keys to multiplication which if we put them in place it would greatly help solve the issue that we actually have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What about Dave Ferguson what was he saying when he was out here? I know and I'll drop some links in our show notes for people to follow on and connect with people. What were some of the things that Dave was saying and that you enjoyed?
1: Look, I think uh, first of all, what Rick was saying, a lot of it came from Dave's insights in the first place. So it's just that Dave used different words, but Dave was also very big on the fact that we actually have to 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 be able to spot for people, um, and and go to people and say, "Tina, I see you in you uh, whatever it might be." and uh, Uh, launch people into ministry because of what you actually see in them. I know from my own case, uh, my wife and I planted a church 29 years ago and we did so because we went to a person who became a mentor and he saw something in us and he asked us if we'd ever consider planting a church. I think having leaders who uh, are prepared to look to what they see in people as critical. And then those same leaders have to be prepared to make heroes of those people, to elevate them. It's not about elevating yourself as a leader, but rather it's about serving the people that you actually see.
0: Mm, yeah, some great things to, even to think about. I could just have a little stop right now and think about what you just said <laughs> for the last minute and have a little devotion about that for the next year. Very good. Um Tim, so let's be a little bit practical now. Let me go put my practical hat on and think about people that may be listening today. They're like, hmm, church planting. Maybe I should consider planting a church. What does planting a church even look like in your mind for it to be healthy in our Western context? Like where would you even start?
1: Probably the first thing that I'd say is we actually start with engaging with people and actually discipling them. So for people who are already Christians who are going to be in your in your team, your role as a leader is that is to disciple them and disciple them in the, the words and the ways, and the works of, of Jesus. And then we also need to make sure that as leaders, we're actually in the harvest ourselves, not just wanting to put on a show, which will bring people from the harvest to us, but we're actually active in terms of Uh, trying to uh, share the good news of Jesus with people uh, and to to make disciples. Dave Ferguson talked about the simple uh, formula that he has where it begins with prayer, and then uh, we need to listen, then eat with them, uh, then be prepared to serve them, and then be prepared to to share the good news with them. And so as leaders, I think we have to train people in in ways of doing ministry one-on-one and in groups like this But also we have to practice it ourselves. And that's where I'd start. I wouldn't start with a structure because uh, a lot of church plants in the West have actually started with a structure and think, now, where can I find this leader? Where can I find that leader? I'd actually go back to to the simplicity, if you like, of, of disciple making and start there and build your core team out of that.
0: And so is church planting in in the mind of exponential? I know that you talk a lot about healthy church multiplication and seeing missional-style churches. Tell me what that means, missional-style churches, because that's a little bit different to maybe what we may have heard 30 years ago.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, we live in a very different world to 30 years ago too. I, I remember reading... 20 years ago in a book that Ed Stetzer put out on church planting where he talked about a missional church had a high value of the word of god plus a high level of uh, community engagement and uh he so if you if you can imagine drawing that on the, an x and y axis uh and he said that for anything to to grow initially it has to be missional if that is if we're going to be growing from the harvest field but we then have to make sure that over time we don't actually slip back on those things uh, we have the high value of the Word of God and a high level of engagement in the community.
0: Mm. It's such a tension, isn't it? Like I interviewed a pastor recently and he said his church was so involved in the community, they didn't see the need for any gathering on the weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I guess that's a great problem to have. It's not very often I speak to someone like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I think one other insight is is worth considering. Alan Hirsch has spoken a lot about the 5Q, about his take on the fivefold ministry, and uh, compared to what I used to, uh, I, I guess I, I was um, brought into leadership understanding, he's really dumbed it down, and I think in a very effective way. But often we'll see people who are involved in a community like this, they might have, say, the prophetic gift, and they might be uh, looking at social justice issues and therefore going into a particular area. Or it might be a strongly pastoral gifting and so they're uh, very much driven to connect with people. What they probably need actually brought into the situation is the apostolic and the evangelistic. The apostolic will tend to build structure. And the evangelistic will tend to ensure that uh, instead of it just being a nice gathering, that there's actually fruit in terms of people coming to know Jesus out of that gathering. Uh, the teacher, of course, will ensure that uh, there is substance act, uh, actually being taught to actually help edify those people and build them up. And so sometimes when our, our church or our plant is out of, out of kilter and we don't have um, each of the five being represented, even in an immature form, we find that we skew off to the side And we probably miss the the opportunity for the church to be perhaps what Christ calls it to
0: be. So are you saying, Tim, that when we talk about missional churches, missional-looking churches, that that apest Alan Hirsch model is a part of the teaching of Exponential, of what you're trying to encourage, which I love, by the way. I love Alan Hirsch.
1: I'd say it's actually... Um, exponential is not saying you need to have this, but exponential is a bit like providing a buffet of different models and different teaching for people to consider.
0: Mm, fantastic. It's got my attention because it sounds to me like you are genuinely trying to champion all of the church and provide a lot of resource that could help churches plant in today's society in how Australia is today, what's the research behind where we are actually as a culture and how people even see church and how secular Australia is even engaging with us?
1: Yeah, but again, that's a great question. I think NCLS has come out with some recent research in relation to that, and it's actually showing that people generally aren't turned off. Uh, from considering Christianity, if there's a credible person who will actually go and talk to them about it or introduce uh, them to it. Uh, In my particular case with a church that I'm still involved in leading, um, I'm actually finding it much, much easier uh, seeing people coming into small groups and into the Sunday service. That is unchurched people. People who've got a church background will come into the Sunday service, but uh, people who who, who don't have a church background uh, I think it's the relationship connection uh, that is going to be the important thing. And, and if you can provide food, if you can provide a meal and have it as a, a bit of a chilled out environment where you can talk talk about Jesus, I think that works. If I can just mention one example, one uh, couple who have become good friends uh, a couple of years ago, we invited them to uh, come to our place. My wife and I did and, and uh, sit down, we'll have a nice meal and we'll look at one of Jesus's biographies. Now, the guy was an atheist at the time, and he didn't know if Jesus was a real person or not. And, of course, the biographies were the Gospels, and then we just did Discovery Bible Story through uh, the Gospel and introduced them to a few other people who they connect with. And then, you know, a a year or two later, we baptize them, and they're on the journey.
0: Yeah, all about relationship with people.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: As you look around Australia, uh, Tim, and you're, you know, seeing people that are out there that are starting to plant these healthy churches. Tell us about one or two of those. What what's existing out there in these ch- in the church planting world?
1: The first thing I'll say is that we've now identified over four hundred micro churches around the country. And uh, the thing about micro churches is they don't have to stay micro churches. Uh, I heard someone say that Rick Warren's church started as a micro church and ended up being a church of 17,000 or so. And there's certainly a truth to that. I, I think at the moment we're seeing quite a bit of experimentation where it's not just about um, getting the crowd initially, but it's also about having a structure that doesn't take necessarily a lot of financial resources and a lot of people resources. You know, Let's be frank, a lot of church planting models are very, very resource intensive and that's one of the limiting factors that stops multiplication easily coming into the scenario there. Uh, I can think of one church plant as an example where uh, where they're doing different things and they've been meeting uh, as a church once a month. They've been doing online church uh, twice a month and they've been uh, meeting uh, in small groups another one time a month. And they're experimenting. They'll try different things. They're, you know, they're growing. <laughs> they're growing. And um, it's not just following the model of the past. And so um, one of the things that, uh, that I've been saying is that we've got to make sure that we don't um, allow the new normal to be the same as the old normal. And I think um, lots of church planters are trying different things, They're trying to work out how they can engage with people in non-traditional ways, and I applaud that.
0: Yes, and so do I. I actually love it. You know, we're hearing little whispers around of what people are doing. What you're saying is we're trying to encourage, or Exponential Australia are trying to encourage church plants that are bottom line about making disciples and making disciples that will make disciples, not consumers but actually disciples.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think it's very hard to change around an existing church along this paradigm because for an existing church, generally, the the goal is to actually be a a growing church. And as a result, when you have a leader coming along, what you tend to do is to think, now, which ministry can I, I put this person into? And you end up feeding the machine that you've already developed rather than actually putting people aside to actually start something new in the harvest. But it's when you start something new in the harvest field, that's when we've got the opportunity to actually do something new, because the DNA of the church has not yet been set at this particular point in time. There's not a track that you actually must follow. You get the chance to make your own track, uh, which might be quite entrepreneurial.
0: Yeah, I love that because if we are kind of, which sounds what Exponential are doing, reminding us that we need to make disciples, well, that really just opens everything up, doesn't it? Honestly, we could just get a big whiteboard out, a big whiteboard and go, how can we make disciples? And as long as we're doing that, then we're about the Great Commission. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that That's it. So going back to those three questions earlier, uh, who are you making as a disciple? And then uh, who is your apprentice? And then as, as we then multiply churches or small groups or micro churches, who are you sending out as, as an apprentice to be able to plan pregnant? But it all begins with disciple making. That's where the, the, the beginning of, of multiplication happens of disciples who make disciples.
0: Yeah, wonderful. What are you hoping to see in the future like? What's the vision of Exponential Australia in terms of church plants and people coming to faith in our nation?
1: Uh, We we have an incredible vision, and it will really take the God factor to see this happen. Uh, But our ten-year vision is to see the two percent of churches being planted in any given year turn into ten percent, which would see a thousand new churches being planted uh, each and every year, and escalating from there. And if we can see that happen, it would actually Renew the church in Australia in the current decade, as we would then find that uh, more churches were new churches than pre-existing churches. So that's a, that's our our big hairy audacious goal, and uh, it's something that we're we're absolutely fervently committed to, and uh, we believe that to see this happen, there's got to be the God factor in it. Uh, we need to be carried along by the Holy Spirit and actually seeing this happen.
0: What a great vision, and you know we need. We need new expressions, so to speak, in our country. I think everyone's going, yep, let's be honest, we need new expressions. I mean, I was in a meeting recently in Melbourne, Tim, and pastors and leaders were asked, how do you think we're going with the Great Commission? And the hosts that day thought, the numbers would be, oh, maybe if we're talking about out of 10, maybe we would be maybe at a six and a half or a seven out of 10. But most of the leaders said, actually, we're going at about a three. So it's a bit of a shock, isn't it?
1: That's right. I don't think it's that hard in seeing people come into the kingdom of God. But if all of our time and effort goes into maintaining uh, the structures of the church rather than to seeing, uh, seeing people sent out into the harvest field. This distraction stops it happening. I just keep going back to to what Jesus said in, in Luke 10. The problem's not in the harvest. The harvest is there. We're to pray for workers for the harvest. The problem is actually getting workers into the harvest. And then He says, go, I'm sending you. And that needs to somehow become the norm.
0: Hmm. That's just a great, great comment. And a great way to kind of bring us to a landing. Tim, that's been a fantastic discussion and it's raised lots of more questions that I have as well. And I'm sure as the listener today, for you also so in the show notes i'm going to drop all the links to exponential australia and also some resources and things that you can engage with and learn more about church planting and see where god is leading you but hopefully you can stay connected with exponential and get yourself resource to go and uh, do what god's calling you to do in the church planting field so tim thank you so much for your time today
1: a pleasure thank you thank you so much tina
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Don't forget to check out on missionwithgod.com. Love to see you in the course this year. Have a great week and see you next time.